Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CAF America Radio Network, a production of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. As the leader in global giving, CAF America offers more than 20 years of experience and expertise to corporations, foundations, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management programs and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact. This show is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. CAF America is uniquely positioned to serve as the bridge between these important partners and transforms vision into meaningful action. Guests on the CAF America radio network are leaders in their field who share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 914-338-0855. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at CAFAmerica.org. Don't forget to dial 914-338-0855. Now, welcome the host of the CAF America Radio Network, Ted Hart. And welcome here to this latest edition of the CAF America Radio Network. This is a, a very special day for us because today we have Andrew Watt, who is the president and CEO of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, or also known as AFP. Uh, Andrew serves in that capacity and represents individuals and organizations that raise over $100 billion each year in charitable contributions. He was named president in 2011 and works uh, in the nonprofit community uh, and oversees the association's professional staff in three offices uh, in Arlington, Virginia, Toronto, Ontario, uh, and in Mexico City. Welcome here to the CAF America Radio Network, Andrew Watt. Andrew, it would help if I turned on your microphone. That is my fault. Andrew, welcome. <laughs> Uh, it's great to be with you, Ted, and great to be with all, all, all your listeners. Thank you. We very much appreciate the leadership that uh, you offer in the nonprofit sector, and today uh, you and I are here to talk about a very important report that uh, was uh, issued uh, by the Charities Aid Foundation uh, and is uh, the uh, Rules to Give By Report, a Global Philanthropy Legal Environment Index. Um, this is the first study of its kind, uh, looking at the government support in all 193 United Nations member states uh, as it relates to the legal environment surrounding philanthropy. Before we get into the details of the report and, and uh, um, the support that AFP and you personally have uh, for this initiative, uh, let's make sure that uh, our listeners uh, know a little bit about AFP, what it is, and the platform that you represent. Sure. I mean, AFP has been with us for over 50 years, Ted, as you, as you know, as a long-standing member. It represents individuals and organizations who raise money from the public in North America and around the world. We sit on, on, on a platform that's composed of four main pieces. We support the growth of networks of fundraisers, both here and elsewhere, and we provide them, we hope, with the tools that uh, they need to do their job well, so education, research. We shout out loud, that's the public policy piece, and we provide an ethical framework in which to do that. We're not a huge organization. We work in partnership with a number of significant others around the globe, 
institutions of higher education, government agencies, and organizations like yourselves, CAF America, the organizations that are set up to help to create that enabling environment that we all need. And you have uh, how many members? We have 36,000 members globally. The majority of those are concentrated in North America, but perhaps 7% of them around the world. Uh, many of those come to us through uh, partnerships that we have with other fundraising associations in Europe, in Asia, Africa, and um, Australasia. So like CAF America, as a member of the CAF Global Alliance of Offices, uh, representing offices and efforts uh, supporting philanthropy on six continents, uh, AFP brings a global platform and this notion of now having an index for the first time to give us uh, a look at this notion of government support for philanthropy. What do you think this means? Well, for a start, I, I was incredibly excited when I first heard of this initiative. Um, there's nothing quite like it, and it's the kind of information that somebody like me from a public policy background knows is very sorely needed. Um, the thing that I think astounded me coming out of it was really the very, very clear indication that tax policy has a direct impact on people's ability to give. I think something that I, I would pull away from that, though, is it doesn't necessarily motivate people, but what we're talking about is a really simple c concept. It's about leverage, and we don't help people explore that concept enough. I don't think that governments in particular necessarily understand what it means. And that's, that's here in the United States as well as elsewhere. So um, hats off to CAF because I think this is, a, this is really a profoundly influential moment. Well, thank you for uh, your endorsement. As you know, the study compares tax incentives and other aspects of charity mm -hmm. law to people's likelihood to give in ways that are measured by another annual report issued uh, by the Charities Aid Foundation, and that's the very important World Giving Index. So when we bring those together, as, as you said, it doesn't necessarily uh, show that it motivates people to give, but perhaps, as, as many of us have suspected, the amount that you give and how you give can very well be uh, inspired and influenced by uh, tax policy. I wonder if, if you could give us your assessment of uh, in the Rules to Give by Index, the world's first international index of government support for charitable giving, it was found that people, uh, the percentage of people donating to charity is 12% higher in nations that offer tax incentives to individuals than in those countries that do not. Mm. Well, I, I, I think that's a pretty fundamental truth at the bottom of that, Ted, and that, that, that's this. A country that has a government that's motivated to motivate charitable giving is going to have a much more, uh, is going to have a culture and an environment that's much more conducive to, to philanthropy. So no government is going to invest time in developing tax policy in support of, of giving and philanthropy unless they think that's something that's of interest to their citizens. So if you take a country like the United States that traditionally has been seen as a sort of global leader in terms of t use of tax policy to engage, what's actually driving that? Well, I think it's a compact between the government and the individual citizen to rec that recognizes that the action that we take philanthropically, the action that we take within our communities and with our communities, uh, is a critical way of helping to develop an engaging and inclusive culture for giving. I also think 
that um, it's no coincidence that you find um, in the emerging economies, you know, places like India, Brazil, where, 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 where things have really been going very well for quite some considerable length of time, and I'm generalizing furiously here, that you begin to see a much greater engagement uh, with and expression through philanthropy. Tax policy is one part of that. Governments generally play catch-up. They don't generally, in, generally initiate through something like this. So what they're doing is they're catching up with the desires of their citizens and their citizens' desire to effect change through philanthropy. So it's, it, it's exciting to see that affirmed, but I don't think it's a particular surprise. You, you mentioned the, the role of philanthropy in changing um, the, the plight, perhaps, of, of, uh, of citizens around the, the world. You represent a broad platform of professionals who are directly uh, engaged in that effort on a daily basis. What do you think a, a report like this means uh, to those who you represent and those beyond uh, who are toiling every day uh, to find the resources necessary uh, to change lives, to improve lives um, around the world? Well, you know, I think it's a bit of a clarion call, Ted, because uh, when, as, as you say, toiling probably sums up the way that a lot of development professionals around the world feel about what they're doing. They came to, they came to this arena. We all came um, to this arena because we wanted to do something that was going to make a difference. I don't think that's trite. I just think it's true. But we operate, most of us, under considerable pressure. The last few years, budgets have been very constrained, um, diminishing in many cases. Governments have engaged less through grant making and, and, and policy making. And therefore, many development professionals not only feel themselves to be embattled, but they also feel under enormous pressure to help their organizations continue to achieve necessary impact. So a report like this, I think, highlights the fact that it is worth their time, it's quantifiably worth their time to engage with the bigger picture, to engage with the public policy arena, to help to bring pressure on elected officials and lawmakers in order to get them to help to create the platform that helps us achieve what we're, what we're there to do. Oftentimes, it's a very difficult sell to say to somebody who's so stressed, listen, you've got to make the time, regardless of anything else, it's critical that you should make the time to engage with tax policy, to encourage people to develop favorable tax policies. But what this report is going to help us to do is say, look, it's obvious, look at the results of this, of this um, research, look at what you're seeing in terms of a global trend and recognize that you have that 12% number, 12 percentage points higher in nations offering tax incentives higher in nations that are offering constructive tax incentives to individuals to give. That has to be worth your while to engage with. In the report, it points out that 77% of nations offer some form of incentive to corporate donors, uh, while 66% of nations offer some form of incentive for giving by individuals. Do you find that difference significant, and, and, and if so, why? I think that we're starting to get into the depths of culture. I think it's very difficult to generalize. I do think I do think that we would find that there was significance there. I don't feel hugely qualified to comment. What I would say, though, as an example of what I mean, is that um, if you grew up as I did in Europe, you would 
be used to the concept that there are rather higher levels of corporate giving and investment in nonprofits than perhaps we find here in the United States and Canada. Why would that be? Well, I think there's a very clear expectation in North America that individuals have a responsibility to invest in philanthropy. If you are a hugely successful person from the the corporate sector, there is an expectation here that from your employer that you will engage as an individual philanthropically. It's seen to be an individual responsibility and not a corporate responsibility. The corporate responsibility is to the shareholders and the bottom line. Now, that's very different, I think. And it reflects the fact that there is a very significantly different culture. When you look at the level of giving um, as personal income in North America, it's consistently and has been for for years higher than than you would find in Europe, Asia, or Africa. So these things play out in different ways. And I think it's quite dangerous to speculate about what might be behind that difference. What I do find significant is that 66% um, of countries are actually offering incentives to individuals. I think that is something to be celebrated. I would have expected that result, that, 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 that outcome to be far, far lower. And when I saw that, I actually had to go into the report to convince myself that it was correct. I hadn't expected it. So you were, pleased, you, you were pleased to see these, these numbers and the, and the direction uh, that this is going in, uh, because I wonder if uh, you would feel that most readers might approach this topic or might assume that this report might find that philanthropy or philanthropic activity that's measured in, in this report and in the World Giving Index, um, that these are sort of first world um, initiatives and not quite as global as this report appears to point out. Well, I, I, I think what's interesting is that the report quite clearly can, can, can sort of recognize, if you like, structured philanthropy and structured philanthropic incentives. My feeling is that if you see that 66% of countries are offering structured incentives, um, the number of countries where philanthropy, formal or informal, is an ingrained part is going to be considerably higher. And if you look at your own personal experience, talking with people, talking to them about philanthropy, and, and Ted, you do that all the time, I think you will find that many people simply don't recognize that a lot of what they do, either as volunteers or as givers, um, is philanthropic. They just see it as something to be done. Now, the amount of time particularly that you invest in community-based organizations as a volunteer, and that would be schools, churches, anything else, most people just regard that as something they do. They don't actually think of it as philanthropic. And so I think that's the add-on to what you've actually been able to quantify within the report. So I see that as encouraging. I also see it as encouraging uh, that there's room for aspiration. You know, this isn't something that you can settle back and say, well, folks, we're doing nicely here. We're doing very well. We don't need to worry about the future. We do need to worry about the future. We all know that more and more um, giving is accounted for by the higher end of donor. You know, in a country like this, where giving has traditionally been a community-driven activity, if you're seeing more and more giving coming from the top and less from the bottom, we have real issues there. The pipeline um, is a critical thing, and in 20 to 30 years' time, if that trend continues, we will be worrying about where the next generation of major donors is coming from. So I think there's a lot to be pleased with here, but I don't think there's anything to be complacent about. 
Well, I agree with you. We're going to take a, a, a really quick break, and when we come back, I want to shift the discussion slightly to uh, to that of accountability and the use of, of funds. I, I found it interesting uh, in the report that higher income countries are more likely to require reporting uh, from nonprofit organizations, uh, and and the direction that you feel that part of the report uh, should go. And we will be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org. If you're listening today, our phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 914-338-0855. Now, back to the Cap America Radio Network and our host, Ted Hart. And welcome back. We are live here with Andrew Watt, the President and CEO of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Uh, and he and I today are uh, reviewing uh, and we're getting the insights uh, from uh, Andrew Watt on this uh, uh, tremendous uh, new study uh, regarding the infrastructure for philanthropy, the, the tax structure around the world. Um, and I wanted to, before we uh, went on that quick break, um, I just wanted to ask you when we came back, Andrew, to reflect on the accountability side of philanthropy. Well, which is critical, and you'd expect anybody um, in the position that I sit in to say that as well. I think the biggest asset that any nonprofit has is the public trust. It's an extraordinarily fragile asset. It takes nothing to damage it, and when that trust is damaged, um, it takes a very long time to build back. So accountability is key. I think one of the real issues that you find in countries, lower-income countries, is that there is a very ill-defined, at times, structure through which accountability takes place. You can go to countries where there will be 10 or 15 separate agencies, all of whom have a role in regulating non-profits. There is very little sort of a centralized understanding of what the role of a nonprofit is and how a nonprofit should be accountable for its investments, its actions, its impact, and the results. So I think a key piece of the work of organizations like CAF, like CAF internationally, or the International Center for Nonprofit Law, or indeed AFP, has to be advocating for a basic platform of understanding of what the accountability structures should look like. Just as you're sort of trying to get a global definition or global understanding of um, you know, the impact of tax incentives on giving, there needs to be a global agreement about what the basis of accountability and regulation of nonprofits should be. Well, I would, I would agree with you that, uh, and I wanted to focus a little bit more on something you, you just said, and that is the notion of public trust, because uh, you said early in this program, I think very rightly, in that there, there is sort of this consensus between citizens and governments that tax incentives, which of course removes money from what the government might normally have, is a good thing and that, that there is certainly a majority of, of countries around the world, 66% uh, related to tax incentives for individuals, 77% related to uh, some form of incentive uh, for corporate donors, that 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 is a you know nearing a consensus on the the tax incentive side, uh, but unfortunately there there doesn't seem to be as much focus on on 
the reporting or the the oversight of nonprofits and the and the use of funds, and that, as you pointed out, comes down to this notion of public trust, um, and it can be damaged, as you said, uh, so easily. What what do you think is is the partnership between uh, receiving these tax incentives uh, mm. and and perhaps if there isn't uh, yet a global consensus on reporting. Uh, perhaps a a global push for voluntary reporting in the public interest. Well, I think this uh, is one of those the the the, this is the nexus, if you like, of uh, public policy work for nonprofits um, across the globe. I think that there has to be an understanding that where individuals and government make an investment in the work of nonprofits, nonprofits have an obligation to report on the impact of those investments. We've become you know, very fond of that word impact over the last few years. Um, we want to move from a sort of a position where we've traditionally uh, looked at nonprofits as how efficient are they to talk about how effective they are and then to talk very broadly about impact. And yet we have none of us defined how you actually arrive at measuring impact for nonprofits, and certainly not in, in, in if you like, regulatory terms. I don't think something like that can ever be achieved through regulation, but I think that consensus about what it means is something that we could do, and I think that's a conversation that government can facilitate. I think what a lot of us forget, and particularly here in North America where the view of government's appropriate role is quite different from that in some other parts of the world, is that government can be an enabler. It's not that you want government to directly intervene. It's not that you necessarily want government to um, become heavy-handed in terms of regulation, but comprehensive, effective, light-touch regulation provides an enabling environment in which nonprofits can thrive. And I think that's something we need to embrace and not be afraid of. Because without that, there is no... Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I find that so interesting because I think you're right, uh, and perhaps you know we're so sensitized to that word uh, here in the United States, that regulation immediately sounds like or feels like uh, it's constrictive. Uh, but mm-hmm. in having appropriate levels of regulations in setting a standard or a platform upon which there is that public trust uh, can expand the franchise rather than restrict it. I think so. And in in, in nations around the world that have dedicated charity regulators, not simply a revenue agency as we have here or they have in Canada or many other parts of the globe, you actually have a regulator that understands and is, is, if you like, funded to act as a supporter of non-profit action as well as simply a, have you filed your taxes on time, do you fulfill the criteria for non-profit registration? Uh, I think that um, to build that relationship of trust with a government agency is a very difficult thing to do, but over time it can be a very, very valuable thing, principally because there is then one, if you like, portal to which members of the public or nonprofits alike can go to for advice, can go to for information, can go to for signposting, if you like, to the places where they can find out information about nonprofits. I don't know if you remember. Do you? Uh, you must have seen um, the CNN and Tampa Bay Gazette 50 worst charities in the United States yes. last year. Yes. Well, you know, 
from from my perspective, that was a great opportunity because it gave us all a chance to talk about what a well-run charity looks like and also where members of the public can go to find out information that will allow them to make up their own minds about whether a charity is an appropriate one to support. Now, the thing that struck me very forcibly at that time was that we were giving lists of organizations. We weren't saying, go to one point. We were saying, you can go to organizations like this one, like this one, like this one, indeed like AFP or CAF, uh, to find out more, make up your own mind. But what we're saying is that this is really quite an onerous task for the individual. We're not making it easy for them. And yet this is a time when nonprofits accomplish more in our societies than perhaps they've ever done before. So I think it's very important that we get to grips with this. It's not going to be easy, and it's going to be very challenging at times. But if we duck this issue, the next generation are going to have to pick it up instead. You mentioned the, the next generation, and it, it seems that, that in this report it, there's almost a line that's drawn between uh, current uh, giving and legacy giving. The, while the majority of countries offer incentives for people making donations during their lifetime, only 46% of countries that impose taxes on estates of the deceased offer incentives for people who wish to leave money to charitable causes in their will. Um, that's now a minority of countries that, that, uh, that, that tax estates that offer mm -hmm. that incentive. Um, why do you think that might be, and, and um, where do you think that that fits within this global perspective? Well, you know, I, I suspect that it becomes increasingly attractive to leave money to charities in your will where the thresholds against which estate duties are levied is low. Um, so if you're in a country like the United Kingdom, where thresholds have traditionally been quite low, uh, there's always a huge attraction to making sure that your money goes to something that you consider to be worthwhile and possibly not funding the government debt. <laughs> um, in different states in the United States, you know, where individual thresholds can be much, much higher, then maybe there's not so much incentive to, to, to give in that way. Um, equally, you find that there are tax structures in place that incentivize people to engage in planned giving during their lifetime. But those are very sophisticated environments. If you talk about planned giving, as we understand it here in the US, in many parts of the world, people will simply give you a blank look because there is no such thing as a charitable lead or remainder trust. There are no such things as um, pooled investment funds for nonprofits. So we, we operate in a very sophisticated, highly, highly numerate tax environment here. Um, so I think there are many different factors that feed into this. Andrew, you've provided us so, such uh, great insight into this important report. We have about three minutes uh, left today, so I wondered if you might uh, close out uh, by giving some insight to your members and, and to professionals and perhaps citizens around the world and how they might then use this report. Well, for a start, I mean, I would say take it to bed with you. <laughs> It's, uh, it, this is not the kind of thing that you're going to be able to absorb just sitting uh, sitting on a plane for half an hour or at your desk when other things are distracting you. This is a very, very serious and seminal study. Um, I think that the key lessons are that tax incentives work, but that in order for tax incentives to be put in place, it requires a lot of hard effort on the part of the individual and the organizations that they work for, not just to lobby for them, but to actually work out what works, why, and where. 
It's about engaging proactively and not simply waiting for something to happen that drives you in that direction. And it's about recognizing that the public policy piece an investment in the public policy piece of the work that any organization does can be every bit as valuable in quantifiable terms as investment in direct revenue generation. So, you know, I think that the thing that I'm most grateful for is that this study has put that very firmly, highlighted the value of that very firmly in the public arena. Andrew, you bring uh, a lot of weight to your analysis today. We can't thank you enough for joining us today here on the CAF America Radio Network. Uh, today we're discussing the Global Infrastructure for Giving uh, report, and Andrew, we very much appreciate the support and distribution of this report to the members of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Thank you again, Andrew Watt, for joining us here on the CAF America Radio Network. Thank you, Ted. You've been listening to the Cap America Radio Network. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our production schedule. Sign up for our free newsletter and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Cap America Radio Network.